your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 613 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers coming off of a very disappointing 4-1 loss on the road in Tampa Bay. The series is now even at two games apiece as the home team has won all four games in this series. And just a night where the Rangers could not get anything going offensively. I thought that they failed to match the desperation of an opponent that you knew was going to be very, very desperate in this game. After all, the Tampa Bay is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. They are at home for game four here. They are back in the series down two games to one, and they have a chance to even it up. And that's obviously a world of difference, 2-2 versus being down 3-1. to Not that you can't come back from down 3-1. to We saw the Rangers accomplish that feat not more than two playoff series ago, but be that as it may, uh, obviously it's a huge game. And if you're the Rangers, you know, you just almost have to try to trick yourself into believing that we're the team that's down two to one and we're the team that needs to win this game and needs to play desperate and needs to come out of here with a W no matter what happens. Unfortunately, the Rangers just were not able to do that. You watch this game. It was one of those games where I don't think the Rangers won uh, many 50-50 pucks at all. They were uh, not good along the boards. They couldn't really get their four check going at all. And it's funny, I mentioned this in my Locked On Now video as well. Andre Vasilevsky, you know, he had a pretty good night for himself, I would say. And uh, you look at the uh, final stat line here. Let me just pull this up real quick. Andre Vasilevsky ends up stopping 34 of 35 shots. So he had a nice night, and the Rangers actually outshot the Lightning by a final tally of 35 to 31. But even with those stats, I didn't think that Andre Vasilevsky really played that big of a role in the Lightning winning this game. Now, obviously, once again, he was good. He made the saves when he needed to. Strong save here and there, but for the most part, this was a, an issue with the Rangers just not being able to create any quality scoring chances. All of their shots were not from the high danger areas. The Rangers did not get a single odd man rush the entire night, I don't think. You know, I, I'm almost positive I, I didn't see one, whereas Tampa Bay probably got as many as five or six odd man rushes and, uh, you know, even scored on at least one of them. And just, you know, again, not a good night. The Rangers just failed to match the desperation. They technically won the uh, special teams battle. The Rangers go one for two on the power play. Tampa Bay goes 0 for three, but that's fairly misleading because the Rangers didn't get a power play until, you know, fairly late in the third period, past the midway point of the third period. They got two chances down the stretch, and then uh, they score on the power play with 3.33 to go. Artemi Panarin scoring from the doorstep when it was a six-on-four advantage because, you know, the Rangers pulled Igor Shesterkin at that point. So even the one-for-two is fairly misleading. And it's obviously disappointing that the Rangers, you know, they're so reliant on their power play. Their power play is such an important part of, you know, what makes them uh, a team that is one of the last three teams standing in the NHL. But obviously... They just didn't really get a chance to get on any power plays because they didn't draw any penalties. 
they didn't create enough scoring opportunities to put Tampa Bay in a situation where Tampa needed to take a penalty in order to stop the Rangers from scoring a goal. And, you know, I watched this game, and again, they, they got the two power plays late, but for the first 50 minutes or whatever it was here, I didn't see Tampa do a single thing that, to me, looked like it should have been a penalty. Now, obviously, you know, there was the fight with Vetrano and... uh who did he fight on? I think it was Hagel, right? Hagel and Vitrano who fought? Yes. Yeah. So um, so that was obviously a penalty, but you know what I'm saying here. There were no minor penalties called against Tampa because the Rangers didn't do anything to put them in a situation where they needed to take a penalty once again to prevent a Rangers scoring opportunity. It didn't help that the Rangers were without Ryan Strom in this game. You know, obviously Strom, he's a bit of a polarizing Ranger, has been really ever since he's been here, but uh, an important part of the top six for the Rangers. And... You know, when Strom isn't available, the Rangers did what I thought that they would end up doing, and that is moving Barclay Goodrow from the fourth line up to the second line. That's exactly what they did in game three as well when Strom was injured and had to leave the game. And, and for the record, Strom gave it a go during pregame warm-ups. He was out there, you know, skating hard, trying to test himself, just uh, was not able to uh, dress up for this game. And so Kevin Rooney gets back into the lineup. But one ripple effect that this causes is is the second line, and I like Barclay Goodrow, and he's somebody that, you know, Swiss Army Knife can move up and down the lineup and pretty much play with anybody. But you, know, you put Barclay Goodrow on the second line, now all of a sudden you've got Artemi Panarin, one of, obviously, your best players and somebody that you're trying to get going a little bit here as this series progresses. And he's out there with two forwards in Barclay Goodrow and Andrew Kopp, who are mostly known for being strong defensive forwards. And that's not necessarily the best use of Artemi Panarin. Uh, it's not a way to really spark his game offensively. And I say this as a huge fan of both Barclay Goodrow and Andrew Kopp. And with Kopp, you might almost tend to forget that he's mostly been known throughout his career as a defensive forward. Obviously, he can put up points here and there, and obviously he's been scoring at a torrid pace ever since joining the Rangers in the regular season, and he's continued that for the most part in the playoffs as well. But again, you've got Artemi Panarin on your second line playing with guys who are, once again, both known as being uh, defense-first forwards. Now, the Rangers, they tried to rectify this situation and really just rectify the entire situation of them not doing anything offensively the entire game by shuffling the deck a little bit uh, midway through this game, you had Artemi Panarin, and, and I thought this change might end up happening because, uh, you know, obviously the Rangers were down Strom. They ended up losing Heedle for a spell as well. In fact, Heedle missed the uh, latter half of the second period and then all of the third period as well. So I'll look to see if there's an update on him. We're recording this uh, after the game here. But yeah, I mean, Panarin, once again, he's out there with Barclay Goodrow and Andrew Kopp. And so to kind of shuffle the deck a little bit, they flip-flop Panarin and Kreider. Panarin moves up to the top line. He's out there with Mika Zibanejad and Frank Vetrano. Couple of chances for that line, but uh, nothing too crazy. You know, Panarin had a, a chance where Mika Zibanejad passed to him from behind the net, and uh, you know, Panarin had to turn and kind of just shoot the net really quick. Had a chance to score there, but uh, was denied by Vasilevsky. And then, you know, of course, Kreider was playing with Andrew Kopp and Barclay Goodrow there, and. Of course, the Rangers had to be without Frank Vetrano for five minutes because he got into that fight. So for a while, they were going with uh, Panarin, Mika, and Lafreniere on the top line, which is intriguing as well. And uh, Lafreniere actually put one off the crossbar. ESPN missed this because, of course, they did. But it was in the—I'm uh, trying to remember what period it was. I think it was the second period still. And you had a little bit of pitch and catch between Panarin and Lafreniere. And Lafreniere, from a sharp angle, you know, tried to go top shelf, tried to shoot it over Vasilevsky, off the crossbar, and I believe out of play at that point. But I distinctly remember watching the replay and seeing the puck at the crossbar. No mention of this from ESPN, but uh, that's pretty much just par for the course at this point. But yeah, I mean, just one of those games where the rink was tilted and just 
very precious few scoring opportunities for the New York Rangers. And even the few that they got, you still got to try to beat Andre Vasilevsky, which is much easier said than done. And again, just not a very good performance by the Rangers. Your hope that uh, when they go back to Madison Square Garden, obviously they've been tremendous at home in the playoffs. Their only loss was in triple overtime in game one against Pittsburgh. So it's been quite a while since the Rangers have tasted defeat on Garden Ice, but whether they play in New York or in Tampa or on the moon, uh, you're just going to need to step up the uh, the energy a little bit, step up the desperation a little bit. And obviously, we got to keep our fingers crossed, uh, A, that Ryan Strom can return in that game, and B, that this injury to Philip Heedle is not too serious and he can be out there as well. You would hate to see Philip Heedle, who's enjoying uh, the breakout of his career here during this playoff run. You would hope that he would get to continue that and that this injury isn't too serious and that the Rangers will be at or near full strength uh, when game five rolls around here. And one other thing that I want to mention, you know, talking about injuries and guys who might be in the lineup, might be out of the lineup. An interesting development was Sammy Blay. He's been out since I think November when PK Subban uh, took him out with a dirty play, a slew foot and tore his ACL. Uh, Sammy Blay has been practicing, but he's mostly, in fact, exclusively been in a non-contact jersey. Uh, today at practice, earlier today, before game four, Sammy Blay was out there in a normal sweater, you know, no non-contact sweater for him. And so uh, practicing with the team, we'll see if he's an option. Gerard Gallant hasn't really uh, painted the rosiest of pictures as far as, um, you know, Blay potentially getting back into the lineup, but it's something to keep an eye on. It'd be wild to see, you know, can you imagine if, you know, we get into game seven of this series and Sammy Blay goes out there, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but if the Rangers are able to win this series and you know, you're getting into the Stanley Cup final and you're into game like three, four, five, and all of a sudden Sammy Blay gets back, it'd be a tremendous story. It'd be really cool. And I think that's the kind of thing that could really uh, light the fire under a team. And we've seen the effect that, you know, Ryan Lindgren, he's played through some injuries. When he came back against Pittsburgh, that had a tremendously positive effect on this team. When Tyler Mock got back into the lineup, that really helped this team as well. You know, both those guys returning from injuries. If you get Sammy Blay coming back from a torn ACL earlier in the season, uh, deep into the playoffs here, yeah, I think that would uh, inspire some guys and light a fire for sure. So fingers crossed that uh, Sammy Blay could become an option at some point. We're going to get into more of the highlights and lowlights of this game in just a second. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand, their warehouse, just so happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey 
right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. You know, Tampa scored pretty early in this game, just uh, less than three minutes in, in fact, and uh, it was Pat Maroon who scored, which, first of all, that's problem number one because you're allowing Tampa Bay's fourth line to score a goal against you. I mean, I realize they're professional hockey players. They're capable of putting the puck in the net from time to time, but when you're going up against this Tampa team, all the weapons that they have, I think the last thing you need is for their fourth line uh, to be scoring goals against you, but... Uh, that, that's what happened, and it was a goal that probably never should have happened and a goal that I think uh, kind of set the tone for the night. You have Zach Bogosian going in up the right side. He gets past Ryan Reeves down the boards on the right side, moves back toward the net, goes around Justin Braun like he's standing still. I've been complimentary of Braun. I think overall he's done a nice job, and obviously him being out there is a lot better for the Rangers than Patrick Nemeth being out there, but he did not look good on this play. Basically uh, an ankle breaker. I, I know that's a term that's usually reserved for uh, basketball, maybe football a little bit too, but an ankle breaker here, kind of a move from Bogosian, from Zach Bogosian of all people, and he puts the puck at the net, and the save is made by Igor Shesterkin, but Pat Maroon gets to the rebound. You've got Braden Schneider in there. You know, it's not just Reeves, and it's not just Braun. Braden Schneider was there. Kevin Rooney was there. Nobody did anything to really uh, create any resistance, and even Igor himself probably could have uh, come up with the save. Would not have been an easy save, but uh, one that he's capable of making. So basically just... Uh Poor sequence for the Rangers right here in the early goings, uh, just about two and a half minutes into the game, and something that basically uh, set the stage for the entire night after this. And really, I'll take it a step further. It wasn't just the first goal scored by Tampa here, and of course, the score was just one to nothing after the first period, so obviously the Rangers, uh, you know, they're not cooked at that point. They've got a, an opportunity to get back into the game, still 40 minutes to play, but... Again, this first period was basically just a microcosm of how the entire game was going to go, where Tampa gets a couple of odd man rushes seemingly out of nowhere. The Rangers not doing a good enough job on the back check, not doing a good enough job getting back in position and, you know, taking some low percentage shots themselves that are resulting in some fast breaks for the Lightning, uh, them transitioning. There were a couple stretch passes that Tampa uh, connected on and, and created some odd man rushes out of that. So uh, none of that was good. And too many icings taken by the Rangers in the first period. And once again, the the discrepancy in odd man rushes was a lot to none. I, I don't know the exact tally for Tampa Bay at the end of this game, but way too many. And again, I don't think the Rangers got odd man rush this entire game. And on top of that, forecheck was pretty non-existent in the first period. I thought actually the final minute of the first period was the best minute that the Rangers played, certainly to that point in the, in the game and maybe even for the entire night. Uh, you had a good shift from the Mika Zibanejad line. You know, they were in the offensive zone. They were swarming a little bit. Good puck movement. And then the fourth line went out there and kind of took over where the Mika line left off. You know, they were creating a good amount of traffic in front of Vasilevsky. Something else which did not happen nearly enough in this game. It was just a game where the Rangers made everything way too easy on Tampa. There was not enough of this where the Rangers were setting up screens on Andre Vasilevsky or creating any kind of chaos in front of him. Uh, but there was an opportunity here where Tyler Mott uh, was on the doorstep. He had a deflection attempt, but unfortunately, Andre Vasilevsky kept it out of the net, and uh, the time ended up running out on the period. But that's another thing. You know, Tyler Mott, I thought, had a really good game for the Rangers. Uh, one of my favorite players, for sure. Somebody who just busts his tail every single night, no matter how the game is going. And that's an issue, though. If Tyler Mott, and I honestly think this argument could be made, if Tyler Mott has a better offensive night, looks more dangerous than any other player on your team, that's a problem. That's a problem on a team that has Panarin and Mika and Kreider and Fox and Truba and I was going to say Strom, but Strom obviously didn't play. The entire kid line, uh, Vetrano, 
Uh, it shouldn't be Tyler Mott who's leading the way offensively. So uh, that's obviously a situation that the Rangers are going to have to uh, correct in the next game, just get more pucks at the net and uh, create a little bit more havoc. Chris Kreider's got to set up a shop in front of the net. Rangers, when in doubt, have to pepper Andre Vasilevsky a little bit. Make him be Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, if you're going to get beat by this team, at least make Andre Vasilevsky stand on his head because the Rangers didn't do that in this game. Again, Andre Vasilevsky, for somebody that stopped 34 of 35 shots, and again, solid night, uh, fairly easy time uh, for Vasilevsky in this game. He had to be a lot better in Game 3 to win that one than he needed to be in this game in Game 4 here tonight. And we're going to keep rolling here on Locked On New York Rangers. Continue to break down this Game 4 loss here. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You know, a lot was made of Jacob Truba having a really rough game three. And to be fair, I thought he did too. A couple of penalties might have been ticky-tack, but he did take three penalties in that game. And Truba actually participated in a voluntary uh, practice for the Rangers. Obviously, I think he was pretty aware of the fact that he was not his best in the most recent game and obviously looking to correct it. He made a really nice play here. And I thought overall, had a decent night for himself. I mean, not too many Rangers had what I would call a banner night, but I thought Truba was mostly solid. Uh, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier. You had a situation where Adam Fox, and I don't blame Fox for taking this uh, this chance here, but he took a shot from the point, was looking for a deflection from Frank Vetrano, and didn't really get through. He got an immediate two-on-one the other way. Trubo was the one defenseman back for the Rangers, and he made a great play against Kucherov. Basically just caused him to skate away from the net and just kind of veer to the side. But once again, way too much of this. These odd man rushes just coming out of nowhere for Tampa Bay. And the Rangers, they need to be more alert of the counterattack from Tampa. You can't always rely on Igor Shesterkin to uh, save your bacon every single time. And uh, the Rangers, once again, just uh, they fell victim to some uh, long stretch passes from Tampa Bay that created some of the odd man rushes and too many times where the Rangers would take a shot and immediately somehow you'd have an odd man rush going the other way. Rangers just have to be on their toes a little bit more and getting back a little bit better than they did in this game here tonight. We definitely got to talk about the fight that occurred in the second period with the Rangers down two to nothing. Frank Vetrano against Brandon Hagel. So basically uh, there is a play stoppage. I believe the puck was in the Rangers zone and you've got Hagel not a vicious cross-check, but he definitely cross-checked Vetrano in the back after the whistle. There was really no need for that. Vetrano turned around, kind of pushed him. Uh, Hagel continued to approach Vetrano, and at that moment, Vetrano pretty much said, you want to go? Are we doing this? And they dropped the gloves. I thought Vetrano had the edge in the first half of this fight. Maybe Hagel landed a couple punches late in the second half of the fight. Uh, I would call it a draw, but I'd imagine Frank Vetrano looking to spark his team a little bit here, so kudos to him for doing that. Obviously showing a little bit of fire, and Vetrano's a feisty player. You know, he doesn't necessarily get into a ton of fights, uh, but he's certainly not going to take any nonsense from anybody out there. And uh, again, I, I thought this was a good time for him to drop the gloves and once again try to just get the Rangers going a little bit. I don't know how much of an effect it really had. Again, you have to give some credit to Tampa, but Rangers, they have another gear that they can get to, and another gear that they will need to get to uh, going forward in this series. Because, again, missed opportunity. If you just would have split these two games in Tampa, you'd be up 3-1 to one right now. But, unfortunately, 
Rangers, you know, again, they let the two-goal lead get away in Game 3, and then Game 4 here tonight, they just were not the better team pretty much from the opening faceoff right until the final horn, and that's pretty much the long and short of it. But I also want to talk a little bit about Artemi Panarin. I know he scored that goal at the end of the game there on the power play to at least give the Rangers a glimmer of hope with about uh, 3.30 remaining in the game, down by two goals at that point. Uh, but overall, I thought Artemi Panarin, bit of a rough game, you know, just couldn't really get anything going. A couple of turnovers. He had one horrific turnover. I believe this is when the Rangers were down either 2 nothing or 3 nothing. but Tampa got a chance out of this. Uh, you know, Panarin tried to make a pass. He was along the boards in his own zone and tried to make, you know, a rink-wide pass. So it's a very... Uh, low reward, high risk pass, and it got intercepted by Tampa. They got a scoring chance out of it. Fortunately, did not go in. But uh, yeah, a little bit of a shaky game for Artemi Panarin. Just couldn't really uh, get it going. He's been hot and cold and up and down in these playoffs. Um, but Rangers are going to need more from him, as they're going to need more from pretty much everybody up and down the roster. I thought you know Kreider was basically a non-factor in this game. Mika Zibanejad played fairly well overall. You know, he was at least ripping the puck at the net from time to time, did a good job in the face-off circle, led the Rangers uh, forwards in time on the ice with 23 minutes and 15 seconds. And, you know, overall, I thought, you know, played strong defensive hockey as well as he typically does. He was out there for the penalty kill, the penalty kill, which uh, saw the Tampa Bay Lightning go over three. So decent night for Mika Zibanejad, but he's got more to give. Pretty much every player on this New York Ranger team has more to give uh, than what we saw in this game here tonight. And, you just hope that, once again, they can go back home for Game 5, feed off of that Madison Square Garden crowd, and find a way to, uh, once again, take the upper hand in this series. A couple of other things I wanted to mention real quick here before we call it a day. Kind of a quirky moment in the first period. Tampa was up one nothing when this happened. But you've got Tampa Bay basically swarming in the Rangers zone. This was right after, maybe just a minute or two after Tampa Bay had made it one nothing, But... You know, Tampa's got a good ozone possession going on. They've got a shot that goes wide of the net, and then the goal horn sounds. And I don't think this was particularly close to going into the net. It wasn't a situation where, you know, somebody bumped into the net and the netting moved and it looked like the puck had gone into the net and caused the netting to move. But for some reason, uh, the guy who, or, or person who controls the goal horn, uh, hit the goal horn and it went off in the arena and play stopped. And very, very strange there. You don't see that very often. And the ensuing faceoff actually stayed in the Rangers zone. But I have no idea what this uh, goal horn person was looking at. But uh, that's what happened. And uh, yeah, just one of those strange things that happens during the course of a hockey game, I suppose. One other stat that I want to mention here. It's a stat that they showed on ESPN during this game. Igor Shesterkin has allowed 12 five-hole goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That is seven more than any other goalie in the playoffs. Now, that's obviously a very misleading stat because Igor has played a lot more games than any other goalie. And of course, some of these goalies were out of the playoffs, you know, in the first round, five games, six games, whatever it might have been. So I'm not too worried about the fact that he's allowed more than any other goalie, but 12 five-hole goals is certainly a lot. And it seems like he's getting beat five-hole on breakaways specifically. We're so used to Igor Shesterkin being so good on breakaways. You know, he certainly was in the regular season. I think he definitely graduated from the Henrik Lundqvist school of stopping breakaways, but we've seen him get beat five a couple of times in these playoffs, and so you just hope that's something that he can correct going forward because, again, you know, regular season, every time somebody was one-on-one with Igor, I would just kind of look at it and say, yeah, good luck, buddy, but in the playoffs, I feel like he's given up a few more, you know, if you at least looking at percentage, he's given up, uh, 
you know, a higher percentage of goals on breakaways than he did in the regular season. So uh, hopefully, you know, again, that's a situation. Hopefully you don't give up any breakaways because that's obviously not ideal, especially against an offensively skilled team such as Tampa. But if you're going to give them up, hopefully Igor can uh, at least bail you out and make those saves on those breakaways. And then one other thing that I wanted to mention here is Braden Point. Again, I I've talked about Point in the past. I think he's uh, honestly the player that I fear most on Tampa Bay. And uh, Cooper was vague about this, but he made it sound like Braden Point could be an option in a game six or a game seven. There was nothing definitive put on the table, but uh, that's another reason why uh, this is kind of a missed opportunity for the Rangers, you know, a chance to go up 3-1 and maybe close out this series before Braden Point even has a chance to get back. And let me reiterate something that I talked about in the Penguin series when Sidney Crosby got hurt. I would never wish injury on anybody. It sucks to get hurt no matter what time of the season it is. It's even worse in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but facts are facts. You know, Braden Point is not playing the Lightning or without one of their best players, and the Rangers have to try to take advantage of that as much as they can. Unfortunately, this series now tied at two games apiece, heading back to Madison Square Garden in New York. But, you know, as we saw in the series against Carolina and to a lesser extent the series against Pittsburgh, the Rangers... They, at times in this playoff run, have looked like two different teams at home versus on the road. They just look faster, sharper, more energetic at home, and we got to hope that that continues, and I think it will continue. The Rangers obviously feed off of that hometown crowd. Uh, they were spectacular in games one and two. I thought that's the loudest this Ranger crowd has been through this entire playoff run, the first two games here against Tampa, so we got to look for more of the same. If you're going to the game, uh, make sure you bring it. Make sure you get that place rocking and do your part in uh, you know, sparking the Rangers and hopefully uh, willing them on to a Game 5 victory and ultimately a 3-2 series lead. Fingers crossed that that's exactly what happens. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. And once again, I'd love to hear from... I've already heard from a bunch of you, but if anybody wants to share their story about where they were, who they were with, what they were doing when Artemi Panarin scored in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've heard some really cool stories from you guys already, and I'd love to hear a couple of more and share them on an off-season episode of Locked on New York Rangers. But yes, that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast and or share your Artemi Panarin Game 7 overtime stories with me and have it ultimately read on a future episode of Locked On New York Rangers, then please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to preview Game 5 of Rangers versus Lightning. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.